Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Arielle Kay, founder and CEO of Parachute, a home and lifestyle brand focused on creating a culture committed to wellness and social responsibility. Since launching in 2014, Arielle has evolved Parachute from a small digitally native offering of premium bedding into a beloved lifestyle brand with best-selling essentials for every room in the house and 22 brick-and-mortar locations across the country. In today's episode, Arielle shares all about her inspiration for Parachute and how she took the steps to launch. We talk about where she draws inspiration for this lifestyle brand, how she's created a culture committed to wellness and kindness, recently announcing the brand's dedication to sustainability and climate neutral certification, and how they've built community for the digitally native brand. I'm such a huge fan of their products. I absolutely love their robes and their bedding. Keep listening to learn all about Ariel and Parachute. Arielle, welcome to the podcast. I'm so looking forward to the conversation today. As I was preparing to have you on, I was thinking, you know what? I have robes, I have towels, I have sheets. So I'm a super fan. Amazing. I love hearing that. <laughs> so let's start with your journey and really what inspired you to start Parachute. Sure. So my journey is a bit unconventional, although who knows what that means anymore? I mean, my background before Parachute was in advertising and marketing. I was working at a big agency on the strategic side of creative, doing a lot of consumer behavior research. And what I found myself really most passionate about was how to connect with customers, like how to inspire them, how to motivate them, how to build relationships. But separately on the side, I was doing interior design stuff just for fun. I had an interior design blog. I was helping friends decorate their apartments in New York City. And I became a super consumer. You know, I was just shopping all the time. And one of the things that happens when you shop all the time is that you realize what's missing in the market. You see just the lack of innovation. You see that there's products that you wish were different. And so in 2012, I had reached a point in my career in advertising where I wanted to have a bigger impact. I was I think a lot of friends joined startups and starting companies, and I was just admiring their passion, their commitment, their desire to build something, you know, the impact that that was having on them personally. And I wanted that for myself. And so I had one of those aha moments where I thought, you know, I've got this experience building brands and I, I'm passionate about that. I love the customer journey. I love building relationships and I think I have a good sense about what that means, but I'm also obsessed with home and design and, you know, what would it look like to bring those interests together? And, you know, 10 years ago, if you ask someone what sheets they had on their bed, they couldn't tell you. And, and that's a $30 billion category of products that you're using every day that had absolutely no brand. There was only recognition about where to shop for these products. And so for me, in the rise of D to C, it just felt like, whoa, what's going on here? How is this not happening already? And what a huge opportunity to build a relationship with customers and be able to create a value proposition that's pretty powerful, like getting a good night's sleep. So I quit my job and that was that. I was all in. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, you're right. It's incredible that, you know, as I was thinking about it, it's like you really came into the space creating this brand 
where there weren't. And also, you know, as I think about my journey, it's like, it's pretty easy, not easy, but way easier. It feels like to get into food, like the barriers to entry, you know, you can make a bag of granola at home. You can bring it to the farmer's market. Like it's a much easier entry into the marketplace. I'm super curious to hear for you, like that moment where you thought, okay, I have this great idea. There's a hole in, in the marketplace. What did you do? What, A, what did you do? Did you have a business plan? And then B, like, how did you have the courage to say, okay, there's an opportunity, but I'm going to go for it. It's a great question because I had no experience in retail. I had no experience in textiles. I had no experience in manufacturing. So really I was just as, as clueless and uninformed and unexperienced as one could possibly be. The idea really came to be at the end of 2012. And at the beginning of 2013, I'd shared with one friend who was like, you can do this. And I was like, no, I can't. Like, this is a good idea, but like, I couldn't possibly do this. And he said, you're a CEO and I, and I, I can see this for you. Like, you got this. And this is a friend who is actually currently on our board. He was one of my first investors. He's oh, a serial entrepreneur. But so in terms of the courage to get there, it really took a person who I admired, who I'd seen build businesses, look at me in the eye and say, you got this. And I don't think without that kind of support and conviction around my own skill set that I absolutely did not see for myself, would I have had the courage to take that dive and leave a very you know, comfortable job that was paying the bills and on all the things. But so in 2013, at the beginning of the year, I started working on you know a business plan. I started putting together the idea of what the brand should look like and feel like and the problem we were trying to solve. And then I quit my job and I went to Europe. I decided that I needed to manufacture these products in Europe because all of the the quality and the heritage and the premium products were being manufactured there. And I knew in order to bridge that gap of trust, I had to have that story about quality. So I did a lot of Google searching. I got connected to people who knew people who were in manufacturing, in textiles. And I got on a plane and I visited 15 factories around Portugal and Italy. I had a suitcase full of samples of products that I liked and that I didn't like. And this is something that I, I think is good and it's soft, but can we do it this way? And I had these conversations with a number of manufacturers and it was incredible. I mean, seeing how these products were made and in the factories and watching a single fiber be woven and go through all these steps to become this beautiful sheet was so incredible and so inspiring and absolutely got me from like, this is a great idea to, oh my gosh, like this has to happen. Like I am so consumed and so beyond excited obsessed. about this opportunity, obsessed. Like I was, I, I felt like I, there was no other option. And so after that trip, I had identified a factory that was willing to work with us. I mean, by the way, I, I showed up at all these factories and people were like, that's cute. Like what a nice American girl, like here with a suitcase full of fabrics, like sure. And when you say work with us, was it you plus somebody or was it really you? No, it was just me. Yeah. Sorry. All right. I, I said the same thing. Like, like us. Yeah, the, the, no, it's just me. <laughs> variable us, you know, yeah. it became us. I made my first hire three weeks after launching. So, okay. but yeah, I mean, with Parachute, I came back and was like, I'm doing this. Like, I'm doing this. There's no other option. This is a huge opportunity. And I, I knew that, you know, if it didn't work, I would find my way back into advertising or something else. But I was like, I'm giving myself a year. I'm going to get this business off the ground and we'll see what happens. <laughs> So had you had a vision at the beginning of what 
you wanted the first products to be? Was it sheets? Was it what was yeah, the area? So I wanted to start with sheets because you spend a 30 of your life in bed. Sleep is such an important part of our life. And this is also around the time where wellness and the wellness movement was really becoming more popular. And sleep was, to me, the like core of that. And so to be able to talk about you know, the quality of these products. If you were shopping at a big box retailer 10 years ago, all of the products were coated with synthetics. They were made of toxic materials. They had artificial dyes. They were using things like formaldehyde to create wrinkle resistant. I mean, it was like pretty gross what was happening, what was on the shelves, and there was no other option. So I wanted to create a product that was clean, that was super premium, that was excessively priced, and that would actually impact your sleep experience. And so that was the value proposition. But the idea for Parachute from the very beginning, like I look back on my deck that I made in 2013, was always to be a multi-category home brand. I knew that retail was going to have to be a, a key part of the business because at that point, 90% of purchases were made offline. And so yeah. I knew for the customer, they would want to shop that way. And so it wasn't part of the initial plan, but it was, you know, at some point we would get to a place where we could open stores. But yeah, it was really focused. I wanted to start focused. I had I had no capital, you know, as I was getting started. So it had to be small. It had to be tight. I wanted to get that product market fit. And then the plan was to evolve quickly into other categories, of course, quickly ends up being a lot longer than you would expect because everything takes longer and all of that. But yeah. Well, I think that your aesthetic is just, it's so beautiful and laid back. And as you say, wellness, like it exudes wellness to me. And actually I was first introduced to your products at, I was staying at the Santa Monica proper and I had a oh, room yeah. there and I had done the Surya Spa Punch oh, I've there. been so, dying to do that. <laughs> oh, you have to do it. But so in my mind, I have this direct correlation with this like super soothing experience at the hotel and your robe. And so I, I feel like that just plus the textures and, and the whole look is so wellness and relaxing and et cetera. So curious how you think about the vision of design and the brand aesthetic. And was that, has that remained the same? And how do you kind of think about the inspiration today? So yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I'm truly most proud of is that we have created a new aesthetic in the market and we see people try to copy it and emulate it and and but it's authentic to us. It's, you know, and and of course in every industry you see that happening, but we've created this aesthetic that is this very timeless, but perfectly undone, very like it's a relaxed, casual, it's really cozy, it's designed to be comfortable. And my vision for that early on and the way that I explained it to people was like, you know, on a Sunday morning, you get back into bed or you get out of bed and you grab your cup of coffee and the newspaper or a book and you get back into bed and you crawl in and, and you're having your reading and you're drinking your coffee and it's just perfectly undone, but still cozy. It's not a mess, but it's casual and it's comfortable and it's inviting and it's welcoming and it's soothing. And, and that was that was the guiding vision for it was how to create something that is, is just comfortable. You know, it doesn't have to take you 20 minutes to make your bed because you're doing these perfectly tight hospital corners. You know, it's just, it's lived in, it's real life, you know, and, and 
for me, that was what I was, I was, I saw missing. And, you know, that's not to say that our products don't look great with hospital corners. And if you're <laughs> that type of person, like, I don't have got corners. you, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, people, people, you know, like different styles and aesthetics, but we wanted to create these foundational products that really would work with any aesthetic and do something that was different. You know, there's, there's certainly no shortage of options, but we wanted to create something that really appealed to today's modern shopper. And so the beginning, you know, I was really designing for myself and my friends and our our team and the people that, you know, were like us that just wanted better products that were out there. We started with a lot of neutrals and and really leaned into more texture for dimension and depth and color and pattern. We've since evolved and you know, I think for us as a small, nimble team and and one that's so connected to the customer because of my background and the way that we've built the business, we really want to build and grow with the customer. We don't want to be a brand that you grow out of. And so we do so much customer research. We do so much listening. We really go out of our way to learn from the customer so that we can always be evolving and growing. But I get my inspiration everywhere. I get my inspiration on a hike. I get my inspiration being outside. I get my inspiration when I order ice cream and the colors are just like so beautiful together. I mean, I, I take pictures of everything and so does our design team and art and going to museums. I mean, there's so many places that are perhaps a little outside the box to seek inspiration, you know, a men's button down shirt, you know, a stripe like might become a stripe that we use on bedding. You know, I mean, there's there's things like that that feel just different. But, you know, I think for us, we're so focused on our point of view. We really want people to see our products and think parachute. And so we're always evolving, but we all are, are always still trying to do everything through the parachute lens. I love that. I'm curious to hear as far as your inspiration and, and all those different sources, like how much of that is innate in you that you're going and doing that? And how much are you consciously saying, hey, I'm going to go on this trip to X because I need to find inspiration? I think it's just part of who I am. Like, I'm just always looking for inspiration. And I've always been really inspired by the outdoors and by art, I would say. You know, I recently just was in Paris a few weeks ago and went to all these museums. And, you know, I was the person like taking close up pictures of like this corner of a painting because I love the way those colors work together. But my our design team is similar, too. I mean, we're, you know, I, I'm definitely not leading all of our designs at this point. We've got a phenomenal design team and they're, they're similar. And, you know, they do offsite trips to, to, to museums or go on walk, you know, there's, we're always encouraging people to get out of their rooms and their homes and nowadays off the computer and, yeah. and look outside, you know, I mean, I remember one season going up to our design area in our office and there was, baskets of leaves and foraged sticks and all of these things that the design team had collected because we were leaning into green tones and natural tones. And, and that's where we got our colors. They were Pantone matching to these sticks that they found in the neighborhood, you know, and it was just like, oh, this is so inspiring. You that's know, so we're, cool. we're doing something that's, that feels different or just authentic to who we are as a brand and, and how we like to, to think about design. Yeah, I love that. So touching on brand and, and communicating with your community, which is certainly a place that as a digitally native brand like that, that resonated and made it so much sense. What do you think was really, and again, saying at the beginning of there's so few home brands that so you came into this space and really created this beautiful, beautiful brand. What do you think 
made it so successful and resonate with the community? And what tips do you have? Obviously, D2C is different today than when you started, but what tips do you have for launching a brand online? Or it could just be like launching a brand today. It doesn't need to be specific. So I think we were first to market. So that certainly helped. You know, this was, I launched in 2014. There were no other betting D2C brands at all. This was before Casper. I mean, this was this was early days of home and anything happening in home. So certainly that helped. But first to market doesn't always equate to success. You know, I mean, but you could but be too early. Help. Yeah, exactly. You could be too early. You could be, you know, it, it could, the customer could not be ready for that. But I think for us, it was really all about having a clear point of view and one that didn't waver over the years. I, from day one, prioritize building a relationship with the customer over the transaction. I prioritize inspiring and educating so that the customer purchased with confidence over being overly selly and overly pushy and overly like, bye, bye, bye. We also made a, a decision in the early days to not discount, to not be a discount brand, to not lean on marketing gimmicks and tricks and cut corners in order just to get more sales. And I think that paid off. I mean, we today do two sales a year for Black Friday, Cyber Monday and Memorial Day. And and that's a choice that we made many years ago because it's basically parody in the industry, but we don't discount. And if you go to most sites these days, I mean, you are getting thrown discounts left and right. And I think there's something that degrades a brand when you discount or you just train customers to wait for a discount and to not shop. And that's just kind of the cycle that you're on. But really, again, to go back to what I started by saying, I think it was about having a clear point of view. Like this is who we are and we're not wavering and we're not trying to reinvent ourselves and we're not getting distracted by the noise or what other brands are doing. We're really staying true to who we are and that builds trust. And I think the thing that I knew from my experience in advertising, from my experience working with customers and really thinking about the customer relationship, I knew that Having a quality product, of course, is is important. If you want people to keep coming back, it has to be good. People have to love it. But I think building that trust might even be more important. You know, it's just if people want to shop and today, especially with their values, they want to shop because they see a, a brand that sees them or is listening to them or is catering to their needs. And, and so I think being really focused and patient, you know, when we were getting started, started, it was the time in the industry where like, go, go, go scale, 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 build as fast as possible, raise as much money. Like all of these things were, were, that was the rhetoric. And like, and we kind of, we went our own way. I mean, we raised very little money compared to our competitors. We, decided that we wanted to go slow and steady and we wanted to build trust without diluting the brand or the product. And so I think, you know, at times I got pushback from investors. I was asked why I was taking that approach, but it just felt so right to me. And I had to just stick to to my values there and it did pay off. And I'm so proud of that. I wanted to build a healthy business with healthy economics that was going to stand the test of time and that my grandchildren would be shopping from and and building a brand does not happen overnight and i think part of my experience with with building larger or working with larger brands made that very clear to me and allowed me to focus on the things that i felt were were most important versus what everyone else was telling me all the time 
Which that's super hard to do. I mean, it's super hard to hear outsiders, investors, other people in your circle saying to 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 go the path of, hey, here's what the rest of the market is doing and really listening to your yourself to say, I'm, I'm going to build this differently. And I guess, I mean, you had the experience, but how much was that just sort of like listening to your intuition? And it how was much- a lot of, yeah, it yeah. was a lot of listening to my intuition. I mean, I think I also... You know, I started the brand at a time where I did feel like I could learn from other people's missteps or I saw people raising a lot of money. I just I just knew that I had to trust my gut on some of these things. And I really did believe it would pay off. And certainly I had investors say that they didn't want to invest in the business because my goal was not to grow as fast as possible. My grow, My goal was to grow healthy, like in a healthy way and to be thoughtful about the customer and that that experience. And ultimately, I found the right partners. You know, I think I, I I mean, that was so critical to my success early on, especially because I had no experience. So I was like, who can help me with this? Who can help me with that? Like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. But I also had to had to filter that information that I was receiving from my community to know to say, okay, this feels right. That doesn't, that's interesting. Maybe that's better information or any suggestions applied for later. You know, I think you have to, you have to also get information, but then also trust your gut. Was that a more formalized network that you had? Were those mentors, advisors, or friends? What did that look like? It was you? a bit of both. So when I started the brand, I joined an accelerator program called Launchpad, which is no longer around, but I was able through that program to raise a little bit of capital, which allowed me to buy my first batch of inventory, but it also introduced me to a number of mentors and advisors and expertise in different fields like marketing or operations or finance. And and so I definitely built relationships in the early days through that experience. And then as I evolved the brand and I did take on capital, I had a board and my board was really helpful. And I got very lucky with really thoughtful, supportive, kind people on the board that I really trusted and could be vulnerable with. But I would say probably the people that have been most impactful for me are other founders and other people that are either at similar stages that I am or have been doing it longer or people that are really getting started. I mean, you learn from everyone, you know, it's a really reciprocal experience to be talking about your business, talking about what's working, what's not working. And so one of the things that I found that was so exciting was that I found that people were really generous with their time. You know, founders and entrepreneurs like to help other entrepreneurs. And I think for me, getting comfortable asking for help or asking for time or saying, I have two questions, can I get 20 minutes? I was so surprised by how many people were gracious and eager to help and to take the call to answer the email. And it's something that I try to pay forward as often as I can. Yeah, I think that's been like such a wonderful thing about this community of people who just want to help and and be there. I definitely feel so that. reciprocal. I I never, you know, we have a mentorship program that we started at Parachute, and I find that the conversations that I have with people, no matter the stage, no matter where they are in their journey, they it always helps me too, you know. And I think that. In the early days, I was so scared to ask for help and scared to be needy or to take the real, yeah. important time or be vulnerable or be honest, you know. And and once I got over that, it was just such an amazing relief and also 
I learned so much and, and, and was able to get so much out of those conversations. That's great. What, what would you say are maybe some of the top lessons that you have learned personally or professionally over the last nine years that have really, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I know I feel like a different person today than, than I did at the beginning. Oh my gosh. I mean, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing more transformative than starting a business. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a few things that I've learned and things that I constantly come back to not sweating the small stuff. And, and that extends to kind of focusing on progress, not perfection, which can be challenging when you're type A and like to have things perfect all the time, or don't want to put anything in the world that doesn't feel exactly to the T what what you envision it. But it's really helped me embrace a test and learn mentality. It's helped me realize that I can be my own worst enemy and I can get in my own way and I have to really allow things to evolve and, and be natural. I think recently, you know, remembering that there's no finish line, you know, you start a business, you prioritize it, you put everything into it. And I think early on, I had this expectation that there would be these moments, these milestones that would that would lead to some sort of finish line, some ending. And, and it's just being embracing the fact that that's just not true. There is no finish line. You know, there are milestones and there are things to celebrate along the way, but building a business is an ongoing process. And just when you think something's going to happen, there's a curveball, And, you know, it's just, you have to embrace just the evolving nature of it all. And that's, that's been an important lesson for me to really just come to terms with. How have you learned or is your personality one that like deals with those ups and downs like you're an even keeled person or has that been a challenge to to figure out how to really deal with that like for you personally and then for you how to deal with that with your team because those are definitely two different things yet clearly very intertwined. It's a good question because depending on the challenge I think I can navigate them in various different ways. I would consider myself resilient, although I sort of hate that word and, and what it implies. Almost nine years in, there's been so many ups and downs. I mean, it's a roller coaster, you know, you, you experience ups business. and downs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You experience ups and downs in the course of 30 seconds sometimes, you know, it's like you can feel on top of the world and you can feel like the world's about to end in a matter of moments. And so in some ways, I'm just used to it. You know, I expect there to be highs and lows, but there's certain things that are really challenging and that can feel really, really hard. And as a sole founder, I feel a lot of pressure and I internalize that pressure and I feel a lot of responsibility and I would never want that to change, but sometimes it weighs really hard. And so being a founder can be really lonely and isolating. And so having a community of people, whether it's other founders, mentors, family, friends, therapists, executive coaches to turn to, to, to talk things through, to get better perspective, or just to help process what's going on is, is really helpful you know, I also have an incredible executive team, which I, I trust implicitly. And so that's been really valuable, especially as we got into a stage where problems feel bigger and feel ch more challenging. But there's also a part of me, and maybe it's a little masochistic, that like loves problems. You know, I, I started this business because I like to solve problems. Like I like challenges. And I think when you can shift your mindset out of like, this is happening to me or this is happening to us or like this is just so hard and get into the 
oh my gosh, what an exciting opportunity to be able to solve this problem and to grow and to learn and remind myself that this journey is not stagnant. It's exciting. And I get to flex new muscles and then it's energizing, you know? And so I think allowing myself to feel the feelings of hardship and disappointment and frustration and whatever curveballs being thrown my way. And then giving myself the grace to just experience that and what that feels like, but then also recognizing that it gives me an opportunity to evolve as a human and as a leader, and that it's my job to inspire my team to get on that page and to to also be okay with feeling disappointment and being there to support them through that and hold space, but also say, like, how lucky are we that we get to solve this problem? Like, that's cool. That's an opportunity and there's been a lot of that this year, let me tell you. <laughs> Nothing feels more relevant to what's going on in 2022. So yeah, I, I, it's it's it really depends. I mean, I I feel I, I come back to gratitude a lot. I do feel very lucky to be on this journey, to be living this dream of building a company that I'm so passionate about and to work with people that believe in the vision. It's like there's there's nothing, nothing better. Yeah. yeah. I love all of that. Just, I feel like resonated so much. I'd love to hear talking about gratitude. If you have practices throughout the day, morning, night, especially like I can't imagine what your bedroom looks like, but practices <laughs> throughout the day that help set you up for success. And like you have to getting in that mindset that you talked about and being able to flip that switch, I think is you have to be very conscious of thinking of all of all of the good, the bad in between, how to process, how to do all that. So what do you do in your day to really set you up for success and feel your best? So one of the things that I've been leaning on more recently is a gratitude practice. I What does that look like? So I, it's usually before bed, although if I forget to do it, you know, I'll do it during the day, but writing three things that I'm grateful for, Personally, you know, it could be like my family, my kids, you know, a delicious meal and three things that I, I love about myself. So it could be that I was patient or kind or loving or, you know, and, and sometimes my gratitude journals look the same day after day, you know, but it's just the, it's just taking that three to five minutes, you know, to sit down and to put pen to paper and to really zone in on, on that. That's been really helpful. I also have some other practices. I, I went to a place called the Hoffman Institute oh. in May, which I actually haven't talked about at all on a, a podcast. Or really I want to hear all about me. it. I feel like we could have an hour because I'm so curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of tools that I took away from that experience, mostly connecting to my spirit and and my emotional self and being able to take the opportunity to kind of do an inventory check on on how I'm doing every morning. I skip a lot of mornings. I have two kids that are under four and my mornings are chaotic <laughs> to say the least. But sometimes, you know, it's a practice that in an ideal world I would do first thing in the morning, but sometimes I do it after a preschool drop-off, you know, I, and I think just there's no, you have to be able to kind of the tools that you have accessible, I think so many people get hung up on when I'm supposed to do this or how long I'm supposed to do this meditation. Should it be five minutes, 20 minutes? I don't have 20 minutes. I think finding ways to incorporate tools 
that meet your needs and your lifestyle is really important. Otherwise, it can just be so intimidating and easy to opt out. So I've been having fun with those kind of practices. Meditation is something that I'm like on and off all the time. But when I'm on, I I know how much it impacts me. But yeah, I don't, I mean, there's a what lot of What else did you learn at Hoffman? Oh my gosh. I mean, we don't And did you start. just give like a quick high level overview of what it is and then maybe some- um, Hoffman okay. Institute is, is a kind of intensive program over the course of a week that's really- all about creating change and and kind of learning about yourself and your patterns and the behaviors that you have that are either serving you or not serving you and how you can kind of shift and understand them better and understand who you are as a person. And I think it's really all about love and peace at its core and finding that for yourself. And it was incredible for me to experience that but it's, I think it's given me awareness of who I am as a person. And also it's allowed me to have an awareness about other people and just a lot of patience and understanding of, of who we are as people and, and what we've been through and, and the patterns that we have that don't define us, but they're just things that we've learned and we can, they can be positive or negative and just having a lot of kind of patience um, and understanding and for yourself and for others. That's been a big takeaway for me, but it's definitely, I feel like made me a better mother, leader, partner, friend, all of the things. So sounds like anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. (laughs) All right. So what are you most excited about in 2023? Because sounds like we're both ready to put 2022 behind. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, anything but 2022 at this point, 2022 was, has been a pretty challenging year, very different from 2020 and 2021 as a business home was so top of mind and 2022 has been surprising and unpredictable and different and has required a lot of change. But I think for me, 2023, I'm excited to to just really focus on the core of who we are as Parachute. We've been growing so fast. We've opened so many stores this year. We ended last year with 12. We'll have 25 by the end of the year. And it's just been a lot of growth and change. We launched furniture. We've done so much stuff and it's been so exciting and so rewarding, but I'm excited for 2023 to be more about kind of optimizing all the things that we've done and and really focusing on who we are as a brand and, and really inspiring people, whether they're in the mood to shop or not, you know, everyone's talking about recession and things like that and what's going to happen and the economy. And yeah, I'm excited to just focus on, on what we love to do, which is connect with our customer and, and really, really just do beautiful things and create beautiful spaces and beautiful products and um, simplify a bit after such a big investment year. We're all ready for that. All right, well, we're going to move into some rapid fire Q&A. Great. The best advice that you've gotten in the past six months? Oh, I feel like I already kind of used that one with the finish line talk. I'm going to just repeat that one. I, I, it's, I think for us, especially based on our stage, um, remembering that there's no finish line and that the work is fun. A favorite book or podcast or mentor for growth? Um, well, I, I'm a huge proponent of mentorship for growth. However, I did actually just start a book and it's actually sitting next to me. So I'm just going to look at it, but it was recommended by one of our investors and a mentor of mine, who's a phenomenal 
leader and partner and friend, but it's called the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And I'm very excited. I'm like 15 pages in and so far it's great. Oh, who's it by? It's by Jim Dethmer, Diana Chapman, and Kaylee Warner Klemp. I'm glad it's sitting next to me because I would not have remembered that. (laughs) But I also like another book just because I is something that I keep on my bedside table and I look at every day is The Daily Stoic, which um, many people know and love. Um, But that is just like I just like love picking that up and reading a passage and just having something to kind of mull over. Meditate on. Three things that you're currently loving. Could be that or it could be anything else. Any other product? So... Okay, my favorite kind of must-have beauty product right now is a product called Bomb Bomb Milk by Violette, and it's the spray, and it's a all-in-one toner moisturizer serum that makes me feel super glowy. And if you know me, I have I'm like the worst at beauty products, and I don't have a great beauty routine, and so I love a, a three-in-one. <laughs> um, but it's such a great quality product, and I've turned so many friends onto it. So that's one. What else? What else? I'm addicted to magnesium by Moon Juice, which is a magnesium drink. It's one of my favorite things to wind down at the end of the day. Tastes great and also good for good for your insides. And I'm really excited that Yellowstone is back. So watching that show. (laughs) So good. Favorite words to live by. Really that I control my own destiny. And for me, that just plays into so much, but gives me, it reminds me that I have the right to have boundaries, that I have the right to prioritize myself, my self-care, that I am not just a leader. I'm not just a mother. I am, I am me as an individual and I can control my happiness. I can, can choose happiness. I can make space for myself. What is one thing that you wish more people knew about you? I feel like I kind of always answer questions like this similarly, but I was a classically trained opera singer. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool. Do you still sing ever? I love a karaoke moment. I sing in the shower. I sing with my daughter. I'm I'm really great at Disney songs, it turns out. That's like my new <laughs> genre. Like maybe I should have been a Disney star. Favorite parachute moment. You know, there's not really one, but I will say, because I was actually recently at two different conferences, meeting people and just having them tell me that they sleep and use our products every day and that they change their life and they're obsessed. It's not one moment, but I would say that 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 moment throughout the past nine years, it's just like, there's nothing like it. And it 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 never gets old. It's never lost on me how just incredible it is that people use our products every day. Like it moves me to tears, truly. And I know that will never go away. And I'm really grateful that that has not gotten old or gotten just something that I'm like, oh yeah, cool. It like every time it happens, I'm like, really? You buy our products? You, <laughs> you know us? You like us? And it, I, it's genuine. I mean, I, it's really, yeah. And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Boundaries. Love it. Ariel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so wonderful to connect and have you share everything about yourself and Parachute and where can everybody find you? Uh, They can find me on social channels. Um, My name, Ariel K. 
love to connect with people, happy to answer questions, love product requests, feedback, and you can follow the brand at Parachute Home. Lovely. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.